Well, I'm finished with Haggai, but I'm not finished with my titles, so they're all connecting together. Uh, if you remember, we looked at the book of Haggai, and we talked about uh, kingdom priority and kingdom promise and kingdom perspective. And I, I want to pick up this week along the kingdom thoughts and talk about kingdom submission. And I know that that's kind of a, a word that sometimes we like to hear and sometimes we don't like to hear, depending upon which side of submission we're on. Um, but I, I want to look at the day. So the calendar today, we, uh, we celebrate Palm Sunday. We're celebrating... Uh, Jesus as he's coming into town and and we've heard about it, we've read about it, we've talked about it, we've gone to Sunday school, we've colored the pictures, you know, we've done that thing. I want to talk about Palm Sunday, but through the lens of the king, through the lens of kingdom. You know, last week we were talking and and recall last week at the end of the sermon, uh, we looked at the man named Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus was in Jericho and what had happened was Jesus came into town and at this time in his ministry, when he comes to town, people seem to gather. And there was a large crowd, right? Zacchaeus ran ahead of the crowd. He climbed a tree. He positioned himself to experience Christ. And he got to have dinner with him. Uh, we looked at that. But here again, we're continuing this on. And it's in the same chapter of the book of Luke. We're going to look at it in the Gospel of Matthew this morning. But in the same chapter, right after Jericho, we see Jerusalem. We see the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ, is what we call it. I want to look at that entry and, and, and we spend some time in Sunday school and, and I know that a lot of times as we look at Easter and the stories and the things associated with Easter, we're so conditioned to what we see. We see it through the lens of the Sunday school class. We see it through the lens of what we learned our whole life. We see it through the lens of what we've been taught. And, and I really want, like I talked about last week, kingdom perspective to help us to see things maybe just a little bit different. Maybe today as, as we read the verses, today as we, as we look at, at, at the Scripture and, and as God guides and directs us, the Spirit of God speaks to us, maybe there's something in this story that, that you've missed. Maybe it's not even something Pastor points out. That's fine. But as we read this, I hope that God is speaking something fresh in your life. I hope that that kingdom perspective that we talked about last week, as we start looking at it, maybe from a higher angle or a lower angle or a different angle, we see something different in the words that brings it to life for us. I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 21. I'll start in verse 1, but I'm going to read these verses, and this is the story of, of Jesus in the triumphant entry, the Palm Sunday story that we've heard so often. I'm going to pray as you turn there, or as you read the screen. Father, I pray for us this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. I thank you that you are alive, that the Word is living and active. So I pray living Word in this place. God, I pray for us as we gather. I pray for us as we look at the Word I pray for us as we, as we dig into the Word of God today that you would illuminate truth before us. God, I pray for our eyes. I pray for our ears. I pray for our hearts. I pray for our minds that we see exactly what you want us to see. Help us, God, to lay down some of what we know and read this fresh today. 
Spirit of God, I ask that you continue to minister to us. Spirit of God, I lay myself before you asking it's just your words that come true, your words that are spoken this day in this place, that your will would be accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. So as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you at once, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her coat by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went ahead and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna! To the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. I mean, we've seen this story reenacted. We've read the story. We know what's going on. Jesus is coming to town. He, he gets on the back of a donkey. He rides into town. People are screaming and shouting. They're raising their hands. And, and that's the story we know. But I want to look through kingdom perspective. Because there's something that's happening with everyone in this story. There's something that's going on in this story that, that we cannot deny the kingdom aspect of what is happening. Now the people, the Jews, they're waiting for a Messiah to come, right? They've got expectation He's coming. They're looking for the Messiah. That prophecy we read is a prophecy we talked about last week with perspective. It's in the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9. And, and so the reality is, is that they're looking for a Messiah. He's going to be a king who comes... Remember, if, if you can go back to Haggai, where it talked about when we were reading, he's going to shake the nations. The glory is going to shake the nations. I mean, everything's going to happen. And I, and I have to assume some expectations are um, the king of Israel will rise and Israel will reign again and we will destroy Rome and we will stomp on them and we will plunder them and we will have everything that is ours. I mean, that's kind of the perspective, the expectation that I think people are having. Other than that, I want you to see the kingdom perspective of this moment. Jesus is very intentional in what he's doing. Jesus sent the disciples. He said, do what? Go get me a donkey. If someone says something, you just tell them the Lord wants it. Now that's called radical obedience because they obey him, they do it. And someone does ask, what are you doing in the other version? And then they take it to the Lord. I mean, that's what they do. That's radical obedience. But why did Jesus send his disciples to get a donkey? I want to tell you, Jesus was being intentional about declaring his kingship. 
Jesus was being intentional about declaring who he was. He was being very intentional about declaring without shouting, without putting a crown on his head and shouting to everyone, I am the king. He was exactly doing that. He was declaring who he was. Why? Because everyone knew Zechariah 9.9. The disciples knew it. The crowds knew it. Jesus knew it. The route that he took, the road that he was riding was, was the same road that Solomon came to town declaring his kingship on. I mean, it was the same manner at which Solomon did it. Jesus was very intentional in declaring he was king. Jesus knew what was going on. Okay? He understands the, the kingdom perspective of this moment. I mentioned the disciples. The disciples were radically obedient to Jesus in this moment. I tell you what, you tell me go get someone's donkey, I'm not going. You've got to call ahead, message them on Facebook, do something so they know I'm coming. Right? They're practicing radical obedience, but I'm telling you, all of a sudden things shift in, in the way they're responding to Jesus. Yes, they've dropped their nets. Yes, they've, they've followed him. But, but they, they, they bring, in verse 7, they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on it for Jesus to sit on. Why? I mean, yeah, they went and got it. Yeah, they went and got the, the, the donkey. And I'm sure they, that they could have thrown anything on the back of that donkey, Right? They had time to think about this. They went and got it and they brought it back and uh, there were ten of them that were waiting there. Two of them went and said according to that. I mean, they had time to think about what they were doing, but they were making a declaration in this moment and they laid their cloaks on the donkey. Why? So Jesus could sit on them. Now, what is he doing? Well, they're not the only ones who do something Incredible. I will tell you, I believe the disciples are recognizing the kingship of God. The disciples are seeing in that moment who Jesus Christ is. They're recognizing this moment in history as, as the fulfillment of process, prophecy. The Messiah is coming. The King is being revealed. And so they're laying their coat on the, on the donkey so he's got a nice comfortable place to sit on, right? We'll come back to that. Jesus recognizes the kingdom perspective of this moment. The disciples recognize the kingdom perspective of this moment. Who else recognizes? Well, they get to town, and I told you that that crowds gathered when Jesus was coming at the end of his ministry. And all of a sudden, the crowd is doing something very familiar. A large crowd spread spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. So now their coats are involved. They're cutting down tree branches, lining the road. As Jesus is riding this donkey, some are following him, and they're shouting. It says, Hosanna, blessed be the, the name of the Lord, right? Hosanna means Lord save us. In other, in other accounts of this story, it says in Luke, they say their words, the crowd's words were, Blessed is the King. 
in John, blessed is the king of Israel. They were declaring Jesus Christ was king. Why are you spending so much time talking about what we know, Pastor? Because oftentimes I think when we read this story, we forget the kingdom perspective. What Jesus Christ did, what the disciples did, how the crowd was responding was completely dependent on the revelation of the king of Israel. What they did, their actions, their words, they're crying out, Lord, save us. Why? What are they crying out for for Him to save them from? Rome, right? Lord, save us from the kingdom that we're a part of. Here it is. It's coming. We're excited that the king has come and he's riding on his donkeys and and a donkey and, and the coat and they lay their cloaks. It's all about the king. So what do they do? Second Kings chapter nine. This is in, in verse 13. It says this happened in the Old Testament now. This is after Elisha has anointed Jehu to be the king of Israel. What happened when, when, when Jehu was, 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 a, was, when people recognized the anointing upon him to be the king of Israel, they quickly took their cloaks and spread them under him on the bare steps. They blew the trumpet and shouted, Jehu is king. There is something kingdom oriented going on in this story. Hester, why are you so excited about that? Everyone in the story recognizes Jesus as king. Jesus knows it. The disciples know it. The crowd knows it. And I want to look at how they respond. What was their response to the reality of Jesus Christ as King? What actions did they take? You know, if I was a part of this story, if I was a part of of the procession or or this moment, this triumphant entry uh, uh, that we call it in Scripture, I would be really disappointed with the name of this day. We call it Palm Sunday. Our bulletins this morning had palm branches on them. What happened first? What happened first in our story? As we read these words, the disciples laid their cloaks. I want to call it Cloak Sunday. What happened in the story? Yeah, they they, they laid their cloaks their cloaks on the ground. And then after they laid their cloaks on the ground, some other guys, they went ahead and cut some branches and laid them on the ground. Now, if something should be remembered, is it me laying down my cloak or you laying down some person's branch? I'm disappointed if I'm in this story and I'm reading the Bible today and I see what the church has made today, right? I mean, obviously, I'm not denying the point of praise when it comes to Palm Sunday. 
We focus on praise a lot of times when it comes to Palm Sunday. And there's nothing wrong with that. The declaration of Jesus Christ as King. I hope that makes you want to praise a little bit. The revelation of the King that you've been waiting for, that should make you want to praise. But let me tell you, the response that compels me, the response that draws me, the response that I see so much kingdom truth is, yes, it's the praise, but it's also the submission. I quoted this this morning in, in Sunday school. I think it's, it's the reality of what we've done with this day. We've had a few, we, a few years ago, it was Palm Sunday. The water was out here at church. So we had to cancel church because I said I deal with enough stuff. I don't want to deal with it for real. That's my... Anyway, um, you can connect the dots if you want. If not, then don't worry about it. We got to go to Shadron that Palm Sunday, and, and it was a normal Palm Sunday, and so our kids were there, and they had them come in the sanctuary, and they had all the kids run to the front screaming Hosanna. And, you know, and we've got that perspective. I think sometimes we, we say Hosanna, but we mean hallelujah. Like hallelujah, that's praise. When I say Hosanna, what am I crying out? Save me. That's desperation. When I say Hosanna, what am I saying? I need you. Lord, save me. What does he have to save you from? Well, if you're saying, Lord, save me, there's something to be saved from. If there's a bunch of bees chasing you and you cry out, save me, you want to be saved from bees. If there's a bear attacking you and you want to be saved, you, 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 say, you, say, you, you say, save me, and you want to be saved from the bear. If you say something about your wife in a sermon and the church is making fun of you, you say, save me, church, and they, they protect you from your wife because there's something to be saved from, right? The reality is they're crying out, Hosanna, which means, Lord, save us for a reason. They're recognizing the necessity of the king. They're realizing the necessity of his kingdom coming in their life. That old kingdom that they're a part of, that old kingdom that maybe they don't like, the taxes they have to pay, or the, or the place that they have, or the things that they've done, they're being saved from that in this moment. So what do they do? They lay down their cloaks. Okay? There's kingdom submission in laying down your cloak. There's something significant about cloaks in the Scripture. There's something about cloaks in the scripture that 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 really speaks to the to the gravity to the to the power of this moment whether it was the disciples laying their cloak on the donkey or the crowd laying their cloak on the on the ground for the donkey to walk on and the crowd that followed right cuz i'm guessing they're not walking around the cloaks they're following so they're walking on the cloaks too why what are they declaring 
What are they saying when they, they lay down their coat? When I look at cloaks in Scripture, I think of, I think of Joseph. Remember the story of Joseph? Where his dad gave him that coat? His brothers were jealous because it was the coat of many colors and they, they liked it better and they thought that they had loved him more and he let them think that too, remember? And then they got upset with him and they killed him and what did they do? Or they didn't kill him, but they wanted to kill him and then they, they sold him into slavery. What did they do? What did they keep? His cloak, why? They put some goat's blood on it and they took it back to dad and what happened to dad? They said, guess what? <laughs> he, got, he got killed. What did dad do because of the cloak? He mourned because of the cloak, right? His coat was his identity. He was recognized by his coat. Potiphar, what happens? She tries to seduce him, remember? And he runs off and she's holding on to what? His coat. She takes his coat the, the Potiphar's wife, sorry. She takes his coat to Potiphar and says, look what he left. He tried, to, he tried to come in and take advantage of me, remember? And because of his cloak, it was his identity. There's something about identity when it comes to our cloak. Last week, two weeks ago, there was a coat that was left here. And it was a unique coat. I'll never forget whose coat it is now. Got a big bull on the back. It's a knit sweater. I won't forget. It's Kent's coat. If you ever see a coat with white, I thought it was Ron's for a second, but it wasn't. You see how identity is associated with our cloak? We know Joseph. They got plays written about him now, about his, his coat. Picture that moment. Jesus Christ being revealed. Christ the King coming. And I'm laying down my identity. That's cool. There's something in that. Where else do we see, see cloaks in Scripture? In Exodus chapter, chapter 22, if you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge... Return it by sunset. Because the cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in? When they cry out to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. Let me tell you that their coats must have been worth something. Right? Why else would you take someone's coat as, as a pledge? It's got to be like worth something. It's got to have some kind of value. I mean, if I borrow some, your, your, something from you, if I borrow your truck or I, or, I, or I borrow some money and you say I need something of value to assure me that you will pay back, right? How valuable was it? Well, it was the means of protection for them. It was a means of, uh, 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 of security for them. Your coat, it's valuable. Your cloak, it's, it's valuable. So Jesus, he's being revealed as king. And I'm laying down my identity. And I'm laying down what's valuable. 
There's one other coke that I want to talk about in Scripture. There was a blind beggar. There was a man named Bartimaeus. And he wanted to experience Jesus. This is in Mark chapter, chapter 10. He heard it was Jesus, the son of Nazareth. He began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Verse 50, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see you. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you immediately. He received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Let me tell you, that cloak for Bartimaeus was something important. Because a cloak in this context, a beggar, they had a certain color coat that they had to wear. It was basically their license to beg. It was their right to beg. It was identified by the cloak that they were wearing. So if their cloak was the right color, if it was the right coat, it was their right to beg. It was their right to, to, for him to survive, right? It was his livelihood. It was everything that he had. And so when Jesus said, let him come to me, and he tossed it aside, he was, he was tossing aside his rights, his privileges as, as a member of the, the kingdom that he was in. Man, there's something remarkable in kingdom perspective with the story of Jesus Christ. Yes, we praise. Praise God. Yes, we, we cry out for, for, for who God is. But in this moment in history, I mean, it's just a few words in the gospel. We read so fast. We get so focused because it's Palm Sunday. So we think about the branches. Let me tell you, they were declaring Jesus Christ as King by laying down their cloak. They laid down their identity. They laid down their value. They laid down their rights. They laid down their everything. Why? Because the King has come. All this that's laying before me, all these cloaks on the ground are representative of what was. They were my identity. They were my value. They were my rights. They were my privileges. But now the King has come. And I want to lay it all down because I want to be a part of His kingdom. I'm declaring He is King of my life. Rome is not King. My, my, my checkbook is not king. My identity is not king. My king is Jesus Christ. And so when that donkey walked on that cloak, and when that crowd walked on that cloak, how many were going back to pick it up? Seriously. Donkeys, excuse me, cover Barrett's ears. Donkeys poop. Hosanna. Hosanna. Lord, save us. Save us. The kingdom that we're a part of, the life that we're existing in, the things that we know and value, the rights that we have established. 
Lord, save us. I need to be under your feet. I need to be a part of your kingdom. I desire to lay everything before you. I desire to lay it all at your feet. I desire that that, that I can lay everything aside and become a new creation in Christ Jesus. That I can be a part of your kingdom. That I can have the rights that I deserve in your kingdom. Not the rights that come from Rome, but the rights that come from God. I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. What a... What a declaration. I mean, there was a man in that crowd that had saved for a long time to buy that nice coat with a longhorn on back. There was a man in that crowd that everyone knew who he was because of how bright and colorful his coat was. There was a man in that crowd who had been cold at night. And all he had was that coat to protect him. All he had was that coat to cover him. There was a man in that crowd who knew he could never live without what was upon his back. It was his right to beg. It was his right to earn it's all he had. Yet one by one, they laid it before their king. You guys can come forward. You know, Jesus Christ declared himself as king. I'll say today, Jesus Christ has declared himself as king. The declaration that happened during the triumphant entry, it's happening this day still. He's very intentional in how he's demonstrating he is king. Yes, he was lifted up and placed on a donkey and he rode into town, but he was also lifted up and placed on a cross that he could be the king of your life. He was lifted up and placed on a cross that he might die so that you might have have life and have it to the full. The scripture says the wages of sin. The, The penalty, the price of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life where? Through Christ Jesus. He said there is a God, there is a king of this age, but I'm here to tell you I want my kingdom to be revealed in your life. a part of that story. We're a part of that story this morning. You know, I said the Word of God is living and active. It's still alive. Let me tell you, Jesus Christ is declaring Himself King today, yet we've got all of our coats, all of our cloaks, all of our identity, all of our value, all of our rights that we wear every day. We put our trust in other kings. We we put our citizenship in other kingdoms. And the question this morning that God would pose, the question that, that, that I think that, that we have to respond to is, will you lay down your cloak? 
would you lay down your identity? What about your your value? Those things that are so important to you. The things that you've worked hard for and you deserve you deserve them. I'm not saying you don't. Americans and we know our rights. We love our rights. We we stand on our rights. They prop us up. My rights are in the kingdom of God. I'm a part of His kingdom. How do you become a part of a kingdom? You lay down what was, and this becomes what is. That's called submission. That's denying yourself. That's denying maybe what you think. I'm telling you, I'm not good at submitting at times. You come tell me how to run my church, and I'm going to tell you, I, you have no right to tell me. It doesn't matter if you've got a title or not. Sometimes I wrestle with my authorities because it's hard to submit. I get it. I mean, submission. Pastors, sometimes we don't even want to preach on wives submit to your husbands because we're afraid of how people will respond. Like it's become a bad word in our society. Let me tell you, there's no, no more beautiful place than complete submission to your king. As they shouted, Lord, save us, they weren't thinking about their coat on the road. As they followed the, the, their donkey and the king of Israel, the last thing on their mind was what they had laid down to get to where they were in that moment. That's morning I, I just encourage you like I said I hope that, that there's something fresh that's come through the word this day there's a reminder there's, there's a challenge maybe as, as I've talked there was something that stood out something that, that, that resonated in your heart something whether it was Joseph or the law or Bartimaeus you said yeah I get that sacrifice maybe God was prompting you this day to make that sacrifice Maybe God was, was working in your heart for this moment where, yes, you can lay down your cloak. Well, Pastor, what does that mean? I don't have a cloak of many colors. I don't have a coat that I would put down as a deposit. No one wants my coat. It stinks. It's got cow poop on it. I said it twice, Barrett. Let me tell you, there's no greater choice. There's no greater opportunity than the privilege of submitting to the king. Father, I come to you this morning and I thank you for our time. I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the truth in your word. Father, all across this room this day, Father, I pray for for every one of us. Some of us need to recognize Jesus on a donkey as the King of Israel. Some of us in this room may need to recognize Jesus on the cross as the King of Kings, the one who has brought me forgiveness for my sin. God, I want to be a part of the crowd. 
I want to be a part of those who recognize something incredible is happening in this moment and I need to be a part of it. God, I want my prayer to be, Lord, save me. Save me from myself. Save me from my surroundings. Save me from my securities. Save me from all that is. Save me from, from, from governments who, who afflict me. Save me from oppression that's around me. God, save me. Because you're my king. And I'm a part of your kingdom. God, in this room, this day, I pray for all of us that we can respond. How do I respond? You lay it down. What does laying it down mean? For some, it's confession. For some, it's a simple action. For some, it's, it's just an acknowledgement of, of what God has done. Walt mentioned a prayer. It's from the book of Romans. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. Maybe that's where your cloak starts today. Confession and believing in your heart the fullness of the truth of the story, of the gospel. God, I pray this day we can lay down our cloaks. morning as they lead us in a chorus I encourage you to respond if you need a moment, if you need a place I can make room at the altar if you need someone to pray with you, I will pray with you everyone in that crowd had a choice right? everyone in that crowd had a choice everyone in this crowd, we have a choice how we respond to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's your choice this day. I'm not going to tell you how to respond. No one had to tell them to lay down their cloaks. No one had to tell them to cut down some branches. But the Spirit of God, the power of God, just the, the, the understanding of who He was caused them to respond. My prayer, my hope is that the understanding of the kingship of God causes you to respond this day. Christ is King. Amen? Jesus Christ is King. Amen? God save us. Watch the news tonight. Cry Hosanna. You know, in the midst of your life, in the midst of everything, cry out for God to save you. But don't be afraid to lay it down first. They laid down their cloaks and then they cried Hosanna. Amen? The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May He turn His face towards you and grant you peace. And may you lay your coat, your identity, your value, your everything before the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? Amen. Be blessed.